from the Pardes Institute of Jewish Studies. This is Pardes from Jerusalem. I'm Larry Kluger, a Pardes alum. This week, the Parshiot of Tatsria Mitzorah. This week, Rabbi Michael Hatton discusses the Parshiot of Tatsria Mitzorah. Rabbi Michael Hatton is a member of the Pardes faculty. He has included a handout that you can use as you follow along with the podcast. And now, Rabbi Michael Hatton. The Parshiot of Tazria and Mitzorah introduce us to what is undeniably the most difficult of topics addressed in Sefer Vayikra or the Book of Leviticus, namely the laws of debilitating skin disorders. At great length, the Torah describes various strange ailments that may afflict an individual's body, his garments, or even his house. The one who is stricken is called the tsarua or the mitzorah. The condition is called tsara'at. The malady may strike the skin, the scalp, or the beard. It may occur in the aftermath of a previous lesion or a burn. It may afflict garments of wool or linen and may even strike the stones, mortar, or plaster of a house. In all cases, it is the kohen or the priest who must examine the infection and diagnose it. Tzara'at is often identified by modern scholars with leprosy because the Torah mentions a whitening of the afflicted skin associated with some strains of the illness. But there are no other features of a typical leprous condition mentioned in the text. Leprosy is associated with a loss of sensation, paralysis, the wasting of muscle, and deformity as it progresses. But these are completely absent from the Torah's description of the illness. Thus, such an identification is clearly unwarranted. The Torah is silent concerning the causes of tzara'at. It strikes suddenly and without warning. Sometimes the Kohen may be able to immediately identify the symptoms and declare the afflicted individual as Tameh, or ritually unfit. But more often than not, a seven-day incubation period is required in order to make a definitive diagnosis. Sometimes a further seven-day period is needed if the first quarantine fails to provide conclusive results. The waiting period is characterized by isolation from others. The potential mitzorah, his garment, or his house await the judgment of the Kohen. Academics have searched in vain for a medical explanation for tzara'at, but the classical Jewish sources recognized early on that a meaningful explanation for the condition must be sought elsewhere. Writing in the 13th century, the Ramban remarked, quote, The tzara'at associated with garments is not at all a natural occurrence. It does not typically occur in the world, and so with respect to the plague of the house. In other words, there is no rational explanation for these conditions. No straightforward biological chain of cause and effect that could account for them. As indicated in the Torah, the features of tzara'at are quite multifaceted. 
They may include the appearance of white blotches on the skin, white hairs that have sprouted on raw skin, lesions or burns that have become infected, or yellow hairs that have sprouted on the affected skin of the scalp or the beard. It is therefore difficult to isolate a set of common denominators that characterize the condition, especially in light of its ability to infect garments and houses as well. There is, however, a single feature that unites all the various forms of the disorder. It is this feature that may help us to propel our investigation forward. The Torah indicates that whosoever is stricken with tzara'at, be it person, garment, or house, must be subjected to a period of isolation and confinement. During that duration, the afflicted person is unable to participate in any social intercourse, is barred from entering the hallowed precincts of the tabernacle, or partaking of hallowed sacrificial foods, and is instead effectively shut in. To quote the colorful language of the Torah in chapter 13, verses 45 to 46, the tsarua who suffers from the ailment shall have torn clothes and unkempt hair and shall cover his face with his cloak. He shall call out, Tameh, Tameh, for as long as he is afflicted with the ailment, he shall be considered as Tameh and shall dwell alone outside the boundaries of the camp. If it is a garment that is infected, characterized by a progressive spread of discoloration, then the garment is to be burned. If the discoloration does not spread, but also does not disappear, then the garment is to be laundered and confined for a further seven days. If no change is noted, then the garment must also be burned. If, however, the infection shows signs of subsiding, then the infected fibers alone must be stripped from the garment and discarded. With respect to houses, a definitive infection results in the afflicted stones being removed and discarded outside of the camp. A doubtful case requires a seven-day waiting period, followed by a re-examination. If the discoloration has spread, then the affected stones are removed and discarded, and a second period of seven days is kept. If after the second round the malady has returned, then the entire house is to be demolished. Its rubble is relocated outside of the camp. Taken together, it is the notion of isolation or confinement, whether of person, garment, or house, that dominates the discussion of the Mitzorah. It may be tempting to see, in the recurring theme of isolation, a medical necessity to quarantine a harmful pathogen. But the ongoing involvement of the Kohen negates the possibility that harmful bacteria are the culprits. He maintains contact with the infected person. He periodically enters into the contaminated premises. Most telling of all, the recurring terms that the Torah employs to describe the consequences of tzara'at, 
are Tumah and Tahara. One who is afflicted is Tameh. One who has recovered and presented the sacrifices is Tahor. These loaded terms are often mistranslated as impure and pure, or clean and unclean, but they actually address another dimension entirely. They almost always describe a state of ritual disqualification insofar as the Mishkan or the tabernacle are concerned. One who is Tamei may not enter the sacred precincts or partake of sacrifices. Tuma and Tahara have nothing to do with physical hygiene or medical health. They have everything to do with subtle spiritual states. These two terms are mirror images of each other. They are bound up in a tight binary relationship and they describe the parameters of a person's suitability to stand in God's presence. This is signified by either admittance or else exclusion from the boundaries of his house. The Torah chooses to use these terms here consistently. It is another indication that sara'at must be understood as something other than a medical condition. When the ancients came to ponder these laws, they arrived at the inescapable conclusion that sarat is not a function of viral or bacterial infection or exposure to dangerous chemical substances. Rather, it is intrinsically connected to the, to the spiritual state of the ailing victim's soul. More specifically, the rabbis in the Talmud Tractate Arachin, pages 15b to 16b, associated the ailment of tzara'at with a particular transgression, namely that of lashon hara, or disparaging speech. This is implied by the episode of Miriam described in Sefer Bimidbar, the Book of Numbers, chapter 12. Miriam and Aharon spoke disparagingly of Moshe concerning the dark-skinned wife that he had taken. God heard. The man Moshe was exceedingly humble, more so than any other person on the face of the earth. Suddenly God addressed Moshe, Aharon, and Miriam, saying, All three of you go out to the tent of meeting. God descended in a pillar of cloud and hovered at the opening of the tent. He called Aharon and Miriam, and both of them approached. He said, Hear my words. If there is a prophet among you, I appear to him in a vision or else in a dream. Not so, my servant Moshe, for he is most loyal in all of my house. Why were you not afraid to speak against my servant Moshe? God was angry with them, and he departed. The cloud lifted off of the tent, and behold, Miriam was as mitzorat as snow. Aharon turned towards Miriam, and behold, she was mitzorat. Moshe cried out to God, saying, Almighty, please heal her now. 
God said to Moshe, If her father had spit in her face, would she not be ashamed for seven days? Let her be isolated outside of the camp for seven days, and only then readmitted. So Miriam was shut out of the camp for seven days, but the people did not travel onwards until she was readmitted. In the case of Miriam, we note many of the classical features of Tzavra'at as detailed in our Parshiot. A harmful and horrifying whitening of the skin. A stern exclusion from the presence of God and from the camp of Israel. The quarantine lasts until healing takes place. Designated here, just as in our Parshiot, as a period of seven days. The episode of Miriam, however, provides us with one additional and critical detail concerning her malady. The affliction was brought upon her through the misuse of speech, for she had deliberately spoken ill of her brother. The exact nature and content of Miriam's verbal broadside need not concern us here. What is important for our purposes is to recognize that she was guilty of employing hurtful words and that Moshe, her brother, was offended by them. For the rabbis, the linkage was undeniable and it also provided a rationale for the striking requirement of exclusion from the camp. The Tuma designation was now rendered comprehensible as well a clear indication that the Torah was concerned with spiritual and ethical categories of behavior, since the term almost always describes a flawed spiritual state of being. The Kohen was designated to diagnose the disorder, not because he was the ancient equivalent of the physician, but rather because he was elsewhere called upon to provide religious instruction, spiritual guidance, the possibility of repairing one's relationship with others and with God. It is Maimonides, the Rambam, who weaves together the various strands of our investigation into a cohesive idea, which he presents as a fitting conclusion to his lengthy and detailed codification of the laws of Tzara'at. He relates, Tzara'at is a general term that includes many distinct conditions that differ one from the other. A whitening of human skin is called Tzara'at, a loss of some scalp or beard hair may be Tzara'at, a discoloration of garments or the house is Tzara'at. This condition that afflicts garments or houses to which the Torah refers by this term is not a natural occurrence but rather a miraculous sign that would transpire in ancient Israel in order to dissuade them from engaging in evil talk. If one engaged in disparaging speech, then the walls of his house would become discolored. If he repented, then the walls would recover. If he persisted, then the garments upon him would be afflicted. If he persisted, his very skin would be stricken, and he would be publicly separated and isolated 
so that he would be unable to engage in the chatter of the wicked, namely, foolish words and evil speech. Concerning this very thing, the Torah warned when it said, Observe diligently the laws of Tzara'at. Remember what God your Lord did to Miriam on the way as you left the land of Egypt. To speak ill of someone else is not only to cause grave emotional and spiritual discomfort to the victim, but also to tear apart the social fabric. For individual people can be brought together as family or as community only in direct proportion to the amount of trust that underlies their relationships. It is only fitting, therefore, that the tsarua is relocated to the outside of the camp, where he must dwell in complete isolation until such time as he relents, recognizing the danger to family and to community that his evil speech engenders. By explaining what seemed to be a medical ailment as a spiritual failing of the character, the ancient rabbis surely rescued our parshiot from oblivion. What had seemed to the reader to be a baffling and irrelevant condition, of interest only to overachieving medical sleuths who peruse ancient texts trying to unlock obscure mysteries of diagnoses, suddenly becomes relevant and real. What had appeared to be an infrequent and unusual ailment, strange in the extreme and of little import, is now revealed to be widespread and endemic. Who could not readily comprehend the scourge of Lashon Hara? Who has not experienced at some point or another its evil effects? Who could not personally identify with the insane delight associated with its propagation? With the linkage of the rabbis, the vast amount of verses that the Torah devotes to the arcane subject of tzara'at suddenly becomes entirely appropriate even insufficient. For the overabundance of text on the subject is nothing but a reflection of the pervasiveness of this sad phenomenon that poisons so many of our social interactions. Sarat as a medical condition may no longer be evident or identifiable in our day. But as with other seemingly archaic laws of the book of Vayikra, the object lessons of Tzara'at, as understood by our tradition, are as relevant as ever. Thank you, Rabbi Hatton. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you on the next episode of Pardes from Jerusalem. Jerusalem.